Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Podcast, equipping people to live successful Christian lives. Sign up today, uh, if you would. We are so excited today because John and Tanya James, they are with us, and uh, they have such a powerful word as they get ready to share uh, before us, and he'll tell you even more about that, but uh, many of you probably know John from the Newsboys and co-founder and former lead singer, and, uh, but they have a story of restoration and hope and that, that we need to hear and that they shared him with the first service. So it was great. We're excited to have them with us. Tanya is a musician as well, and she's going to minister here in just a moment. But would you give a warm, Abundant Life Church welcome to John and Tanya James. Awesome. G'day, folks. How are you today? You doing all right? It is awesome. I want to I thank Pastor John and Kristen for the privilege to be with this great church. Um, this is the first time we've been here. We've met. Uh, true story. My wife and I were up in uh, upstate New York, somewhere up there in the wilderness. And uh, we were driving home to West Virginia where we live. And we were driving down the 81. And I saw the church and I thought, there's a church there. I'm going to ring up and say g'day. And I did, and I left a message, and we connected, and what a, what a privilege to be able to be here with, with this great church. And I want to welcome all of you, whether you're here in person or watching online. Uh, Tanya and I believe it's no accident that we're here, but we believe it's no accident you're here either. And we pray that God would speak to each and every one of us, and, and just a powerful, but, but in a simple way that we can each hear His voice. Because I believe God's wanting to speak to each and every one of us today. And I pray that you would continue to experience His love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness, His hope. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to turn it over to my better half. Uh, She's just going to lead us in a song and I'll be back up in a minute. Bless you, Dal. Thank you. Good morning, church. That was pretty good, but do it again. Good morning, church. That's awesome. Sunday morning, and uh, you guys stand. I'm going to do one song today. It's just called Holy Spirit. We just want to continue and worship what God's been doing already in the service. I just want you to picture just an audience of one, and it's Jesus. It's not me. It's not John. It's we're here for Jesus to magnify His name, to praise His name. Yes, Lord. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. How many of you tasted? I've tasted and seen. Oh, the sweetest of comes free and my shame is
majesty we worship you today your majesty we bow in your presence king of kings lord of lords we worship you thank you that you are here by your spirit you are here have your way restore lives 
heal the sick, set the captives free. Let freedom, freedom and hope and forgiveness resound in the house this day. Because his majesty is here. We worship you. Continue to move by your great Holy Spirit. Speak to the hearts and the lives of every person here today. Have your way for your glory and for your honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I personally believe that we live in a culture today where there's incredible pressure to always keep up the appearance that life is just perfect, especially on social media. You know, you, you can be going through the most difficult season in your life. I mean, heart-wrenching, but we still feel the pressure on social media to post the perfect selfie. Our world can be falling apart, but we'll still post on social media the perfect marriage, the perfect family. How about this one? The perfect children. (laughs) But who knows? Real life isn't like social media. And I look at my beautiful wife here today. She's up here looking all radiant. Uh, She's having a good hair day. Uh, The makeup's coordinated, the outfit's happening. And it's easy to look at people, you know, because after all, we're the guest speakers. That you can look at people and think, man, their life must just be perfect, you know. They've never known what it is to suffer hurt or pain or tragedy or loss. But see, I know the miracle of this mighty woman's journey. I know the miracle of healing and restoration and hope that what God has done in my wife's life and the journey of healing that he continues to do. So would you just share openly, darling, just just for a few moments, would you share your story from a young woman and the incredible healing that God did and what he continues to do in your life? So I, I was born into a family. My dad was an alcoholic, so as a little girl, my dad would go to work and he would go to the bar and then he'd come home drunk every night. And I, we had a piano in our living room, and I would hide behind that piano till he would pass out, and then I would come out, and I would go to bed, and this is my life. I thought this is actually a normal childhood till I went to my friend's house and realized, wow, this is what's wrong with you people. Like, I really thought that was normal. And um, uh, how many people know, like, when you're fail- things are happening in your home, it takes this effect on every part of your life, especially as a little girl. I was failing academically. They actually thought I had a a problem with learning, and I just didn't have a problem with learning. I had a problem in my home, but I just didn't tell anybody about it, right? So when I was around 11, my dad used to move out. He'd move in with other women, then and he'd come back home. My mom would always take him back, and he did this about 12 times. And then finally, a week before Christmas, he came home, and I wrote a, a note, and I put it in a sock drawer, and I said, Daddy, I'm so glad that you're home this time. Please don't leave again. And a week later, he was gone, and that time was for good. He didn't come back. But my mom tried to commit suicide at that time, and she was unsuccessful, thank the Lord. But you figure, we, I had three sisters and my mom, which was just an emotional mess from what my dad did to her. Um, but you figure three, four teenage girls and then one home will get in a lot of trouble with no supervision, and we absolutely got in a lot of trouble. 
And um, so you fast forward from that. So when I was 18, I went off to modeling school in New York. My other three sisters went to college. And so fast forward from that. By the time I'm 24, I'm married and divorced two times because how many people know hurting people hurt people? It's what we do. We don't know any better. And I always had in the back of my mind that these relationships that I was in were going to leave me just like my dad did. And it's a lot easier when you walk out the door when they, before they do, which they were all going to anyway. So at 25, God finally got a hold of my life and, and started to heal me. I got married for a third time at 26. Go figure that, 26 years old on your third marriage. And I, but I was on fire for God. I was like, became pastor of women's ministries. I was passionate about life. We had two beautiful children, and life was headed in the right direction. Well, 10 years into that marriage, it became abusive, but I stayed more, vis- more verbal and emotional than physical. There was some of that, too. But um, I stayed because I thought, I'm not leaving. I'm not walking out on this marriage. And the more I prayed, the worse he got. And about 19 years into that marriage, um, he was a government engineer. He went to Iraq for one year. It was one year that I felt completely safe. I didn't have to worry about him coming home and just tormenting me and just, you know, having to protect my children. And I, for that one year, I got behind a piano again, but I poured my heart out to God because when you're in an abusive marriage or abusive relationship, the only thing that you can say in that marriage is yes or no. Anything else is construed as you're, you're rising against me. So I absolutely lost my voice. I absolutely lost who I was. I forgot who I was in the Lord because you slowly become what they want you to be, which is nothing. And um, so I got behind the keyboard and I wrote this, the, my album and I poured out my heart to God, like everything that I couldn't say in my life to the people that I loved, I poured out to God. And there's one song John talks about, it's called Restore, but I'm like, God, you've got to restore my life. But the more that I prayed for that marriage, he finally came back from Iraq, worse than when he left. And 22 years in that marriage, I almost died, and God's like, you've got to go from this relationship. So I walked out on that marriage, just a disaster, a mess. But not only did that marriage end after 22 years, but my niece, who was like my daughter, committed suicide, and my mom died suddenly from cancer. And I was in upstate New York, and all this happened to me. And I, I packed my car with everything I could put in it, and I drove to Florida, the furthest place that I could get away from upstate New York, which resembled so much trauma and pain for me. And I got to Florida, and I started a construction company and was doing really well. God was healing my heart, right? We can't go through things in life and feel like we're going to be all right. Sometimes God has to deal. I was mad. I was mad that he didn't work out this marriage. I was mad that this was not supposed to turn out like this, right? And I kept digging up the past. I got to Florida. I kept saying, why did Alicia die? Why did this happen? Why did my mom, why did all this happen? Because we ask God questions. Why did you allow this to happen? And John talks some about this today. Why did you let this happen to me when I was a believer? But bad things happen to good people, right? It's not all. God didn't promise us a life free from pain and hurt. He just promised to be there with us, that he'd never leave us or abandon us. So I had to stop looking to God like he was the one that, like, he brought this on, like he brought this on. He hates that I was hurt. He hates that this was done to me, but he was the only one that could heal me. And I had to forgive the people that hurt me, right? Because a lot of times you feel like, how can I forgive them? And John talks about this day too, but how can you forgive that person that hurt you? Like my dad, 
how can you forgive that person that walks out on you? But he did. Anyway, so when I got to Florida, I was like, I'm going to become a nun. I'm just going to, this marriage thing doesn't work out for me. I just want to serve the Lord. God had another plan. So John and I met both in the music industry. <laughs> but let me tell you what, the first place that God took us to as husband and wife when we got married was upstate New York, the very place where everything bad happened in my life. And I remember the night that we got there, we drove from Florida, and we were staying a little inn. And I remember I fell on the floor. I, we were a mile down from where my niece is buried that was so dear to my heart and my mom. And I fell on that floor, and I cried like a baby. I'm like, how dare you bring me back to this place? How dare you bring me back here? But sometimes he has to. You know, to remember, God, you're, I brought you back a new person. Like, I used to believe the lie of the enemy. That, like, you're just damaged goods. Nobody's going to want you after all you've been through. You're, you have you trauma. Who's going to want you? I just felt like I just was so low. But God brought me back, and I began to see... Like, he brought me back a whole person. Like, and I'm better, and I have an awesome husband. And God is so good, and he's in the redemption business, right? I don't have to keep looking back there anymore. The enemy tries to be like, don't forget. No, I don't go there anymore. I don't camp there anymore. I'm going forward with the Lord, and I have a testimony, like many of you do, of the redemption grace of God. Amen? So... Praise God. Listen, the testimony you just heard of Tanya's journey isn't an isolated situation. This room is filled with testimonies of this miraculous God who is still in the business of changing lives, of healing the hurts and the wounds and giving us a sense of a future and a hope. And, and I just, again, I pray that as I share a little bit of my testimony today, that God would also continue to speak to you on your life's journey. Because I'll say it again, it's no accident you're here. And I, I believe that God is reaching out to each and every one of us today with a message of hope. And, and I know the miracle and the testimony that God has done in Tanya's life and continues to heal her life, God is wanting to do that in your life and on your journey. You know, for almost 18 years, I was the uh, lead singer and co-founder of one of the biggest Christian bands in the world. <laughs> At the height of success, when I was with the Newsboys, we were selling millions of albums. Uh, back then, we were making over $15 million a year, countless number one songs, golden platinum albums, Grammy nominations, the... Biggest concert we ever did was in Washington, D.C., uh, in front of 750,000 people at a single show. Oh, awesome. One fan. Mate, I love you. <laughs> you must have been there. <laughs> people used to look at me up on the stage, and maybe, maybe some of you might be looking at me like that today, but they used to look at me up on the stage, this successful celebrity, and they would look at me like, man, your life must be perfect. Your life must have been just this fairy tale story that the moment you were born, your parents must have held you in the arms in the hospital and looked into your eyes and said like, oh, incredibly handsome, bald, but crikey, really fat baby. God's got a great plan for your life, boy. You're going to do amazing things. People used to look at me up on the stage and think, wow. 
He must be so special to God, so gifted, so talented, so educated. I wish all of that was true. The reality is it couldn't be further from the truth. I, I said in the first service, all of what I just said sounds like a trailer for one of those painful, cheesy Christmas Hallmark movies that my wife forces me to watch now every Christmas. Like Tanya's journey, unfortunately for me also, I was born into the most toxic, abusive, broken, messed up family. We were abandoned by our parents. Uh, my dad just walked out on us after the beatings and the abuse and God only knows what that man inflicted on my four sisters and my brother. My poor mum, dad, just walked out and left us. He did such an abusive number on my mother, physically, mentally, emotionally, that unfortunately mum just disappeared into the beyond, into the sunset. Uh, she walked out also. Academically, I was a total failure at school. Kicked out, expelled from practically every school I ever attended. I don't even have a high school certificate. Never passed an exam at school in my life. No university, nothing. As a, as a child, growing up, I can remember, I used to feel like if I died tomorrow, who cares? If I died tomorrow, no one's going to come to my funeral and shed a tear and mourn that I've left this world because honestly, friends, back then as a kid, I had no sense of value or worth, no sense of a future or a hope for my life. But at the age of 15 years old, I'll never forget it. I remember I was walking home from school one day in this little town in the middle of nowhere in the outback of Australia. As I made my way home, somehow this day... I met a stranger in the street and a conversation was struck up. At the time, I thought it was just some random coincidental encounter with some stranger in the street in the middle of nowhere in the outback of Australia. But little did I know that through that stranger in the street, the kingdom of God was on a collision course with my life. I just didn't know it yet. And maybe you here today, maybe you're regular, maybe you come... Occasionally, maybe you're a visitor. Maybe somebody invited you to church today. They said, you need to come to church today. We have Steve Irwin's cousin speaking at our church, John James. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but can I suggest that the kingdom of God is on a collision course with your life today. And the kingdom of God by his spirit is wanting to impact you powerfully today you might be just sitting there and not know it yet, what God is wanting to do and what he's doing in your life today. Through that young man, he was the vehicle that God used to start me on this journey of following Jesus. I, I moved away from that outback town to another small town on the east coast of Australia called Malulaba. Pastor John, I bet you can't spell that, mate. One day at church, I met another young man. A friendship was struck up. And through the friendship, I discovered that him and a few other mates were talking about starting a band. I thought, a band? That sounds awesome. I learned quickly that they had no lead singer. So obviously, I elected myself. <laughs> I never sung a note in my life except in the shower. But I thought, come on, how hard can it be? We're not working for NASA here. It's not rocket science. So we started a band in a garage annoying the heck out of the neighbours every Saturday. One day, we decided to come to America. There was no bright light, no voice from heaven. 
the prophet never came to town and gave us the word of the Lord. We just thought, let's go to America. We had no record contract, no bookings, no gigs, nothing. We were just a bunch of young guys that were crazy enough to believe that actually God gets excited about using everyday ordinary people to reach people. We thought if we go to America, we can use music, right? As a vehicle to reach America with the greatest message of hope found in Christ. We thought in America, music's awesome. Everybody in America loves music, yes? Well, except country music, but we all love music. <laughs> I only say that because my wife loves country music. So we come to America with a dream. Now, obviously, in the space of a few moments, how do I stand up here today and tell my whole life story? You can't in a few moments. But let me please touch on a few things that I pray the Lord uses them to touch your life and your journey today. See, I think there's so many people in this great nation or around the world that are speaking out through platforms or social media. It might be a speaking celebrity, a music celebrity, an actor, a sporting star. And so often they can use that platform to talk about keys to success in life, how to live life to the fullest. And hey, I think that's great. Who, who doesn't want to be successful? Seriously, who doesn't want to live a blessed life? Who, who doesn't want to hopefully leave an inheritance for our kids and that they live great lives also? We all want that. But you don't really hear a lot of people who are successful talking about, well, what sort of pressure does life, career, pursuit, passion, ministry, the thing that drives you, what sort of pressure does the platform, fame, job, career, what sort of pressure do those things put on your marriage, on your family, on your children, on your attitude, on your thinking, on your ego, on your sexuality? Well, I've got to be honest today. When I look back on my life's journey and I look back at that time in my life when I had the greatest shipwreck of my life, when I look back at the heights of success when I lost everything, I didn't wake up one morning in my big mansion in Nash, Vegas, Tennessee. <laughs> and I never sat on the edge of my bed one morning and looked around my beautiful mansion in Nashville, all my awards and golden platinum albums on the wall, looked in the garage at my beautiful luxury cars. I never woke up one morning at the heights of success and said, right, what's on the agenda today? What am I going to do this week, this month? Oh, I know. This week... I'm going to destroy my marriage, my family, my ministry, my career, my life. I'm going to destroy it all. I'm going to lose everything that I've worked so hard for and I hold so dear to my heart. I've got to tell you, friends, it never happened like that. I look back on the great shipwreck in my life and I realise it was a journey of little compromises along the way. A little compromise here. A little compromise there, it's no big deal. A little enjoyment of something over here. A little enjoyment on something on the internet here, over there. It's no big deal. No one will see. No one will know. But little did I know when you begin to erode the foundations of your life, though they may seem small at the time, eventually it's going to take its toll on every area of your life. 
Friends, at the heights of success, I begin to cut anchors from my life. Anchors we all have. Don't look at me today like, well, that only applies to you because you're in that crazy music industry. Can I say you could be a, a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, an accountant, an electrician, a gardener, a housewife, unemployed. Anchors that we all have, especially if you call yourself a follower of Jesus. Let me tell you three anchors that I cut from my life that I didn't think would matter, but they were my downfall and the greatest shipwreck of my life because of what I did. The first anchor I cut from my life was the absolute essential importance of my daily devotion to God. Lord, I'm just so busy this week. And come on, doesn't life have a tendency to get us all so busy? With work commitments, family commitments, job commitments, life commitments. There's barely enough hours in the day to get done what we need to do. Lord, I'm so busy this week. I promise you next week, I'll have twice as many devotions with you. Well, next week comes and guess what? Now we're going into the studio to record our brand new worship album that's going to reach millions of people around the world. Lord, I'm so busy. We'll be in the studio for the next couple of months. I promise you once we're done, in the craziness of my busy life, God, I'll take time each morning. I mean, I'll give you the first fruits of my day before I do anything. Just to stop, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 30, whatever. Just to stop and shut out all the noise and push the phone to the side. The messages and the text can wait a little bit. And the first thing I want to do is let me open my word, your word. Let me just read your, the scripture. Let me just pray. Let me just connect with you, God, so your spirit can speak to my heart. Friends, eventually I got to a place where I stopped having my devotions altogether. And it wasn't because I didn't love the Lord. I loved the Lord before my heart. I just got so busy doing everything I thought I was meant to be doing but I stopped doing those things I desperately needed to keep doing. The next anchor I cut from my life, go figure, was the absolute essential importance of my family. You know what my ex-wife, go figure, my wife back then, you know what my family back then needed more than anything? wasn't more lifestyle, vacations, holidays, more experiences. We had all the lifestyle and experiences and money that we could spend and more. You know, my family needed more than anything was dad just to be there for them. But daddy's off saving the world, saving everybody else's family, everybody else's marriage, everybody else's kids. But I'm out there actually working hard because I want to give my kids a future and an inheritance so they can have a better life than what I had growing up. The third anchor I cut from my life was the absolute essential importance of staying connected, grounded, plugged in, accountable, and serving in a local church family. Never take for granted the miracle of what we have here as local church family. The miracle of what takes place when we come together as family in the flesh like this. I say praise God for technology, that we've been able to use technology during COVID and every to reach people out there who aren't in church. And I say thank God for technology. 
But the online experience was never meant to be a permanent replacement. Let me tell you, I haven't seen my daughters. My two daughters live in Australia. I haven't seen them for three, almost three years because of the shutdowns, the lockdowns. But I am so thankful for technology that I can look at my girls through Skype and hear their voice and we can talk. I am so thankful. But my wife and I are praying for the miracle this Christmas to have my two daughters come and spend Christmas with us in my home. Do you know the excitement I'm going to have finally after over three years when my two girls walk through that terminal at the airport? Forget social media and looking at them on a screen when I can actually go up and hold them and hug them and kiss them and we can sit down and talk and laugh and have a meal together. Nothing compares to that experience. And just like the miracle, why we should never take for granted where two or more are gathered together in his name as family. We can come together, different walks of life, different nationality, even people like you who talk funny. <laughs> and people like me, we can come together and hang out as family. Never take for granted. But I took for granted the miracle of staying connected, accountable, plugged in, serving in a local church. Friends, when you cut those anchors from your life, you are a train wreck about to happen. Oh, it might not happen today. It might not happen tomorrow. It might not happen for six months a year. Oh, because I'm riding the wave of success. Ha, I'm living the fruit of my hard labor. I'm living the blessed life. But I guarantee you, somewhere down the road, there's a disaster waiting for you. And I'm sorry to say that at the heights of success, having it all, living the dream in the Christian music industry in America, my personal life, and my marriage and my family fell apart. You think at that low point in my life, I would have had enough common sense to reach out to anybody, a local church, a local pastor, and just say, help. I felt the pressure. No, no, no. You can't tell people your personal life is falling apart. You're, you're the lead singer of one of the biggest Christian bands in the world. You're this role model, this leader. So we make the dumb mistake of wearing a mask and living a lie and the show must go on. Hoorah. But the day I was forced to step down and resign from the newsboys because the state of the shipwreck taking place in my life, when I was forced to resign from the band, my world was shattered. You've got to realise over 16 years... The Newsboys was my life, my passion, my dream, my sense of motivation, my validation in life. But at that shocking moment when it was taken from me, I, I came to a scary realisation that my sense of value, my sense of worth, my sense of validation wasn't in God. It was in my ministry, in my career, in my job in my success and now this is raped from me my world was shattered into a thousand pieces I'll never forget the day I came home to my house in Nashville I walked inside to be greeted by a note on the table that my marriage was over and my wife had taken the kids and, and gone back to Australia again at that low point you think I would have had enough common sense in this foreign bald shiny head of mine to reach out to anybody and just say, help. But I made the dumb mistake of turning to an alcohol bottle. 
For me, I used alcohol purely as a vehicle to escape. As long as I was drunk, I thought I didn't have to deal with the consequences of my sin and my wrong choices that have taken everything from me. As long as I was drunk, I didn't have to face it or deal with it. As long as I was drunk, it could help soothe the anger and the pain that I felt. Eventually, the alcohol never numbed me enough because sometimes it still hurt. And I don't want to feel anything. I just want to forget. So I went looking for more. Just like the scripture says, seek and you shall find. Whether you're seeking after the kingdom of God or after the things of this world, you'll find what you're passionately seeking for. Unfortunately, I met a guy in Nashville uh, that introduced me to many different drugs and chemicals. So months later, my career's over, my marriage is over, my ministry's over. I'm losing everything. What, I'm an alcoholic? I'm a drug addict now? How the heck did I get here? This wasn't part of the fine print of contract in life. Just yesterday, I was standing on the edge of stages, filling the biggest arenas in this nation, seeing thousands of people a night take that first step towards Christ. How the heck did I get here? And we can become so angry. Angry at the ex, it's her fault. Angry at the kids, it's their fault. Angry uh, at God, it's his fault. Like Tanya said, how could you let this happen to me? And I'm like, hello, John, wake up and smell the coffee. How did this happen to me? And we're so bewildered sometime. And I'm thinking, look at the choices you've made over the last year. The wrong choices that you have made that have taken you in a direction so far from God and now you scratch your head how did this happen I lost everything paid a terrible price for the sin and my wrong choices but there I was powerless I felt I felt like I was the Titanic going down And everything I tried to do, I couldn't fix it. I never had enough fingers to plug up the holes. I stand here today not as one who wants to dazzle and boast about, let me tell you about my illustrious career in the music industry. The songs I wrote, the songs you maybe sang. I stand here today as... Somebody who, yes, has known success, but I've also known what it is to know such brokenness and to lose everything. I stand here today, not because John James is a great man, but I stand here to boast about our awesome Heavenly Father. That it's only because of Him that I can stand here today as a testimony That I can talk not only about the great success, but the tragic mistakes and the shipwrecks of life. Where I don't feel the pressure on social media to keep the appearance of my life was perfect. I stand here now as a testimony of this incredible God we serve. As I start to wrap up, let me me share this with you. I told you at the start about probably the most wickedest man that I ever knew as a child growing up, my earthly biological dad. 
Well, this incredible God we, who we serve by his great Holy Spirit, on the other side of Australia, God by his Spirit found my dad. <laughs> my dad's conversion to Christ was so dynamic, was so life-changing that he instantly led his new wife to the Lord. That's my stepmother. Then he hopped on a plane and flew to where we lived in Australia. We hadn't seen that man in years and we didn't want to. And he has the audacity to lead his ex-wife to the Lord. That's my mother. Then he leads her new husband to the Lord, my stepdad. Then he goes on a rampage. The guy's crazy. He's out of his mind. He leads all, A-double-L, my four sisters and my brother to the Lord. Several of them are pastors of awesome churches today in Australia. Then he goes on a rampage to reach my aunts, uncles, first cousins, second cousins for the Lord. What's he armed with? Oh, a resume of how I've been the most incredible, loving, nurturing husband to my wife. What, back on the scene now with a boast and a resume? How I was the most amazing dad to my kids. No, he was none of those things. That man was the worst husband on the planet. He was the worst nightmare of a father that any could could ever have. So what's he armed with now? A testimony. I was once broken. I was once a sinner. I was once lost. But I experienced the greatest message of hope, of forgiveness, the message of the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. See, so often in this great nation, we're sold as Kool-Aid religion, where God has an amazing, incredible, fantastic, spectacular plan for your life. Would you come to Him? But the crazy reality is he does have an amazing plan for our lives. But that's not the gospel message. You know, the gospel message is that we're all sinners. We're all broken and lost. We're all under the judgment and the wrath of a holy God. There is nothing we could ever do to earn his forgiveness, his love, his mercy, its grace. But God, in His love, in His mercy, in His grace, extended His hand, extended His Son to hang on a cross. That is why I can be here today. I thought, God, my dad, unreachable. You can reach anybody, but not that man. He's wicked. But this unstoppable God we serve. For God so loved the world. The very person who was responsible for utterly destroying my family was the very person God chose to use as a vehicle to bring hope and restoration. Because of my dad, my family now has a future and an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And I look out in this auditorium today. Tanya shared a little bit of her testimony. I'm sharing mine. I look out in an auditorium filled with testimonies in the making of this crazy journey called life that's an accumulation of ups and downs, highs and lows, victories and tragic losses. But as we allow God into our mess, into our lives, 
He will bring a miracle and a healing and a restoration. So I'm touring America now as a missionary back to America. Go figure that. And I get a phone call from a family member at home. They're in tears. And I said, what's wrong? They said, John, we're so sorry. You're so far from home, mate. But it's your dad. Your dad has had a heart attack and died. It broke my heart. Because I couldn't be there in the hospital to, to hold him. To be there when he passed, to kiss him, to thank him. So I hopped on a plane. I flew back to Australia. I buried my hero. I sent him home. Well done, Dad. Well done, mate. You go home. Well done. I'll see you again one day. And yeah. The point I'm trying to make is this. My dad used to always say to me, son, you can't change the past. But just like the Bible says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of new beginnings. Today is the day of miracles, of hope, of healing, restoration. My dad used to say to me, son, listen to me. He used to say, never, ever give up on people. No matter how lost, no matter how broken, no matter how far from God they may seem. My dad used to say, if that person, if that man, if that woman, if that son, if that daughter, if that husband, if that wife, if that ex, if they have a heartbeat, there's hope. My dad used to say every heartbeat was like a prayer that said hope, hope. Friends, I may carry the scars on my body for the rest of my life of the consequences of my sin and wrong choices I made that destroyed my first marriage, destroyed my career, my ministry, my life. But 18, 20 years ago, when I lost it all and made a mess of everything, I met somebody. And that somebody is called God of the second chance. And he doesn't come with a whip or a stick or a stone or a strap. I realize I can't go back in time. But I have a choice now. Every day when I wake up, I have a choice of the life I'm going to live for him. And every day now, my prayer is, God, with how many years I have left, let me use my life to bring joy and honour and glory. Let me use my life as a testimony to bring a message of love and hope of the Kingdom of God to everybody I meet. God, friends today, you don't need to be on a platform with a microphone. We are all testimonies, walking billboards that God is using. And He is in the business of using the most unlikeliest candidates. Who would have thought that I could be here today? But God, not a great man, no, but somebody that has known the mercy and the grace and the forgiveness of God.
And with how many years I have left, I'm going to do my best now, just like my dad, to live a life. Because I tell you, one day we're all going to stand before God. And one day when I stand before God, I really, really want to hear, well done, incredibly little handsome bald man with an accent. Well done. And I'm going to do everything I can to honour God now with my life. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to ask you on your journey today. I, I, I don't know what you're facing, what you're walking through, but I do know this. I guarantee you there are people here today that you have been wounded by life. You have been wounded through relationships. You have suffered loss and grief and pain and unforgiveness and abandonment. (laughs) But I'm going to ask you, would you allow this miracle working God to invade your life today? Would you take a step of faith? I'm going to ask you, as you sat there, if God was speaking to your life, maybe you're dealing with things that not even the person sitting next to you or around you knows about. But as you sat there, God was reaching into your world. If there is a prayer in your heart today that just simply says, please, God, help me. I need a miracle. God, I need a miracle in my marriage, in my family, in my life, in my body. God, help me today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, John, pray for me. Anyone here? Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Hands going up. Thank you. Yes. Praise God. Thank you for being honest today, folks. Put those hands down. A few more seconds, I'll wait. Anyone else? Say, John, would you pray for me? God, I want to experience this God of the second chance, this God of healing and forgiveness and hope. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Some of you might want to raise your hand, but just thinking, I'm a leader. I've gone to church for years. If I raise my hand, what will people think? I say, who cares? God help us if we can't be honest in church. One last time, anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray for every man and woman that raised their hand. Such a simple gesture, a hand raise. But I believe so much more, God. A a gesture, yes, but a step of faith today. A prayer, a cry that just says, please, God, help me. God of new beginnings, God of miracles, God of healing, of hope, of forgiveness, of restoration. God, I ask that today by your great Holy Spirit, you would... Flood these ones' lives like a tsunami. Sweep over them. Let today be a catalyst that you will give them the strength and the unction to reach out for help, to reach out for hope, to be willing to forgive, to let go, to say, I'm sorry. God, let this be the day of miracles for everyone that raised their hand. Let it start today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As I hand it over to the team, I want to remind us all about the miracle of church family. Life wasn't meant to be walked alone. I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for an awesome church that adopted me and took me in and helped me walk the journey of healing. So I want to encourage you, don't just let it be a hand raise. Reach out to family, to anybody. Be transparent, open up and say, 
Would you pray with me? Would you stand with me? Church, I want to thank you for the privilege of being here. Please pray for my wife and I as we continue to travel as uh, missionaries to America. We're so honoured to live just down the road in West Virginia. Please play. Uh, we go into schools, public schools. Pray for them to keep opening up for us. And we go into drug and alcohol rehab and churches. Thank you for the privilege to be with you all today. Um, and also, don't forget my wife's worship, all her original songs she spoke about. Get her CD. We're going to be out there at our resource table. Maybe when you walked in, you saw a bunch of canvases. I'm like a bit of a nerdy amateur photographer. And everywhere we go, just recently, I've, I've taken pictures and I've been putting them on canvases with a scripture. And a, that's one way if you want to support our ministry as missionaries, check them out. I'd love them to sign. Uh, sign them for you. I'm going to be at the back with my wife. God bless you guys. We love you. And I pray God continues to move by His Spirit in each and every one of your lives and your family. Thank you, guys. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to get in touch or would like more resources on how to live a successful Christian life, you can always find us at myabundantlife.com. Have a blessed week.